0: as we uh, continue our study on knowing God and uh, by knowing God, knowing ourselves. Um, We're going to be focusing in on uh, the idea, uh, the theme of the patience of God tonight, uh, knowing the patient God and uh, being still and knowing that God is patient uh, and what that that teaches us. So uh, let's read. Uh, some verses from 2 Peter 3 which which deal with this. Verse 1. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders uh, to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They'll say, where is this coming? He promised. Down to verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth. And everything done it will be laid bare. Down to the last verse, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I think if there was anyone who ever knew something about the patience of Christ, It was Peter, the author uh, of this letter that we've just um, read from. Just think of a few of the incidents from Peter's life uh, that make that point. Jesus turns to the disciples. Uh, I'm going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be betrayed. He'll suffer. He'll be crucified. And Peter says, no, no. Lord, this will never happen to you. And the Lord has to say, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, you desire not the things of God, but the things of men. He told him that many times, and yet Peter puts his foot in it again and never just seems to get the point. And the Lord is is patient with Peter. "Uh, One of you will betray me, said the Lord, and the rest of you will all forsake me. Though everyone forsakes you, I won't do it. And yet beside the fire, under the questioning of the servant girl three times, he uh, denies his Lord, and he does it with oaths, and he does it with curses. And as the cock crows and the Lord is led from the palace of the priest, he looks at Peter, and Peter goes out and he weeps bitterly. And yet on on the seashore after the resurrection... Uh, Peter is invited by Christ to express his love for him. and uh, And he's instructed and commissioned over again to feed the flock of Christ, to tend the lambs of Christ, the patience of Christ with Peter. And I think the older that Peter got And the more he was involved himself in feeding the flock, in shepherding the people of God, he realized the complexities, and he realized the frustrations, and also the disappointments and discouragements that are all part and parcel of trying to do that. And I think he became more aware of the need for patience. And he became more aware, I think, as we all do, of the patience that Christ is showing to him. So that's why, in this third chapter here, he's happy to write to his friends this second letter. Happy to go over some of the things that need to be re emphasized. Not frustrated. Not wagging the finger at them, but just with patience laying out again, and then trying to explain, as we read in verses 8 and verses 9, that God is patient with you. God is patient. And how essential that is for us tonight as we think about the greatness of God and His character, among all the the many other glorious attributes that belong to Him, for us just to spend a moment of time tonight and to think about the patience of God, what that means and what we can learn from that. Now, the point needs to be emphasized here in this passage because of the attitude of the world to the gospel you know at the start of the of the passage uh, of the chapter in verse number three you know he anticipates the people who are mocking and scoffing and ridiculing the gospel particularly and specifically um, the promise of christ's return the early church are big on this they're emphasizing that the lord will come back one day He'll come back for his own. This same Jesus will so come in like manner as you've seen him go, the angel said. And the church believed that. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. That was their prayer. And the people looked on. They heard this and they scoffed. Everything just trundles on. The circle of life just keeps on rotating. And you've been talking about this for years. And where is this promise of his coming? And nothing is happening. It's all the same old, same old every time. Surely you, don't, surely you don't believe that now at this stage. He would have come back, surely. So, in response to that, in response to the fact that the people of God may well be tempted, as sometimes we are, to fall into the same trap of the way of thinking of the world, and we begin to doubt the promises of God, and we begin to just somehow or another question them at times, You know, he makes this point about God's character and about God's qualities and his attributes. And this is what he says as he replies to the ridicule of the unbelievers. Verse 8. Don't forget this, he said. You know, they, they look at this time gap and they say nothing is happening. But this is what you're not to forget, my friends. With the Lord... A day is like a thousand years. And also, a thousand years are like a day with the Lord. You know, we we came across this when we looked at the transcendence of God, which means that God is out with and above His creation. And that includes the whole concept of time. So we think of time. We think of our days And we think of our years and how our whole life is bound and dictated and determined by the concept of time. God is above that. It doesn't affect Him. It doesn't influence Him. It doesn't constrain Him. He is above all of that. And for Him, a day for us, a day, can be like a thousand years for God. So let me try and Delve into that a little bit. There were periods, long periods of time in the Scriptures when when nothing was heard. Nothing seemed to be happening. The prophet's voice was never heard at times for hundreds of years. And yet on other occasions, in a very short period of time, it was marked with massive significance as far as God's purposes were concerned. We think of the death of Christ, the day, the day that Christ died. Now is the hour, the hour that all eternity had anticipated. And all the prophecies from generations that were fulfilled in that one short 24 hour period of time came together, concentrated. You see, with God, it's not so much the ticking of a clock hand that matters. It is all about, it's all about spirituality and the importance of events. So when the birth of Christ came around, Scripture will write, when the fullness of the time had come. It wasn't so much that the clock ticked, It was that the time was ripe in the purposes of God. And so, you have 33 short years when Christ lived here upon the face of the earth. And yet, at the end of it, he could say, finished, completed. It wasn't so much the the ticking hands of the clock. It was the idea of fulfillment and of completion and god looks at things as far as time is concerned in a different way that, than we do there's a there's a strange verse in the book of genesis which says this you know certain things did not happen because the iniquity of the amalekites was not yet f- uh, filled up seems absolutely you know out of left field what does that mean all it means is this, that in the purposes of God, there were certain things that were to happen and, and they had to ripen before they could be fulfilled and other things could then proceed. God's way of, of compiling and of computing things is on a different level from what ours is like. But in one moment, God can bring together all the prophecies at a sudden time. The other thing that uh, could be said here is this. Here I am in my difficulties. Here I am with the things that are happening to me in life and they seem to be interminable. They seem to be going on. There never seems to be an end to these things. It seems to be a long period of time for me and yet, in the purposes of God, it's something that I should not doubt. God is not being slow as far as His promises uh, are concerned. Instead, I have, to, I have to remember that all of this is an example of the patience of God. That's what it says here in verse number 9. Now, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anybody to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. You know, we think about our own lives, and we think about the goodness of God as far as his patience with us is concerned. You know, we've talked about Peter, we could have talked about Paul, first 1 Timothy 1, 16. He talks about himself as the chief of sinners how God could have dealt with him and yet in his goodness and in his long suffering his patience brought him to repentance so that he could be an illustration for us as the chief of sinners that God showed patience with so that any of us could have that expectation that God in his love would be patient uh, with us as well. And as we sang in that hymn earlier on you know God moves at times in a mysterious way his wonders to perform he plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm and you know god is his own interpreter and he will make things plain that seem strange to us and the timing from our computation is difficult to understand and yet god is showing his his patience He's extending time. He's giving opportunity. He is long-suffering to give us the opportunity to respond to him and to repent. But he can do that, and he can open people's eyes in a moment. I was, uh, I was reminded recently about uh, the, the Welsh revival and uh, how many people came to the knowledge of Christ in a very short period of time. And it was recorded, many of them were were uh, coal miners, and it was recorded that they, they had real problems after the revival down in the pits because the ponies, the pit ponies, were no longer able to comply with the instructions of the men because the men used to swear at them. And they they used to be aggressive and violent with the animals. And when they were converted, and the majority of them were, uh, they stopped swearing, they stopped using the same language to these pit ponies, and so they they didn't know what the instructions were anymore. And what a remarkable story that gives a bit of an idea into how God, in, in, in in a miraculous way, comes in suddenly in revival and even changes the behavior of animals under the ground. You know, because of his patience, but finally changing people's life. And if we resist him today, it may well be that the time that God gives to us is so that our hearts might be softened at this moment, that in the fullness of time, God's patience might bring us to repentance. You remember, that's what the Lord Jesus taught uh, in that parable, you know, he taught about the owners, uh, the, the, the men who the vineyard had been hired out to. And he sent them servants over a period of time. And when they disregarded them, he said, Well, finally, I will, I will send my son. Eventually, surely they will have regard unto him. They didn't, of course, but it was an expression of God's patience. The thing to, of course, make the point in verse 10 is this, that despite the patience of God and the goodness of God, the day of the Lord will finally come. It's not as if things are just put off as far as he is concerned. He is not slow. He is patient. The day of the Lord will eventually come. And so they're, they're, they have this place before him, the certainty of the coming of Christ and of the promises of God. What I'd like to do now, uh, just at this stage, is is to, to move on to the fact that, as the last verse of our chapter says, that we are to grow ourselves in grace and in the knowledge of God. So, with our understanding that God is patient and not slow in his promises, in what sense... Could we ourselves learn to grow in the knowledge of God as being patient? And how might that affect us? Well, just a couple of things I want briefly to, to mention to you. Um, first of all, um, patience from our perspective with those who are fellow believers. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn to First Thessalonians 5 at this point uh, and, and to read a verse. Uh, from there, First Thessalonians 5 uh, and verse number 14, where he says, "And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. God is patient. God has been patient with us, bringing us to repentance, giving us time and opportunity. We are to be patient." with our fellow brothers and sisters. We've got to remember how patient God has been with us, and we have to show that same degree of patience to other people. And you can see there are different categories of people who are talked about in this particular verse. First of all, here are people, Christians, they're lazy, they're idle. He's told to warn them. Warn those who are idle, but he's also told to be patient with everyone. So here's somebody who just doesn't do a hand's turn as far as any contribution in the church is concerned. They just pitch up, you know, sit there for half an hour or whatever, and then they're off again. No involvement, you know, no real commitment It would appear to anything. And so, you know, how are we going to deal with these people? Do we just kind of... Uh, rail against them? Do we tick them off? Do we, do, do we call them lazy? Do we refer to them as idle? Say their contribution is negligible? Well, I mean, we have to warn them. But we, we, can't, we can't just dis- be dismissive of them. We can't just say they're a waste of space and a waste of time and they're not contributing anything. We have to be patient with them. That's what he says. Be patient with everybody. What about one of the other categories? Not just the lazy and the idle within the church, but those who are disruptive. Some people are disruptive. Some people are a discouragement. They're always critical. They're always having a go, writing letters and emails to elders and you know, telling you what you should be doing. You know, what are, you, what are you going to have to say to them? Well, you have to warn them, but you can't, you can't just again criticize them. You can't just say, you know, that's enough of that, and, you know, we won't have any, any of this stuff, and you, you can't behave like this, and, you know, that's the end of that. We have to be patient. We have to be patient with all in the church. There are, there are those who are disheartened. There are those who are weak. Patience needs to be shown to everybody. And, and how bad we all feel when we think about a verse like this. When we recognize our own impatience with others. Especially when God has been patient with us. And so that's a challenge to all of us as we think about this. So that's being patient with fellow believers. The other point I want to make um, is about our own circumstances. And the fact that as we think about the patience of God and His qualities, then we think about our, our own circumstances that we might personally find ourselves in. You know, we are to approach them with a sense of perseverance, endurance, and long-suffering. Now, if you turn this time to uh, James chapter 5, I just want to draw your attention to the way that James puts it here. Verse number 7, James 5, he says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rain. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. I mean, these people were having it very difficult. If you just were to read the whole chapter there, I mean, they were being really oppressed by wealthy people. Their their wages were being withheld. They weren't being paid for the work that they were doing for these wealthy landowners. I mean, some of them, verse 6, as he speaks to these wealthy people, he says, you know, James says to them, you've condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. I mean, that's how these wealthy people were dealing with the poor. Some of them were even being murdered. And here are the Christians and how are they how are they to behave and conduct themselves in an environment where their wages are being withheld and this kind of stuff is going on what he says to them is is be patient until the lord's coming and the lord's coming is mentioned in this chapter the lord's coming was mentioned in our chapter in second peter chapter 3 as well you know and there there are certain things in life that are just so difficult and so oppressive, you know, as an individual, at times you feel you you can hardly bring yourself to give advice to somebody because you know it's so painful for them. And sometimes the only thing that can be said is that, you know, the Lord will sort all this out one day. The Lord will return. You know, we will certainly, whether the Lord returns immediately or not, at the end of life, we will be in the presence of Christ. And everything will be sorted out. There will not be any injustice. You know, there will be no bereavement. There will be no sadness anymore. You know, be patient until the coming of the Lord when that will be sorted out. I've just come back from Holland, actually. Uh, We stayed in a place called Harlem. Not New York, in Holland. And uh, we visited the home of uh, Corrie Temboom. You know, some of you will know the story of the hiding place. You know, they hid uh, Jews during the war, and then they were, they were discovered. Their, their, their house, the watchmaker shop is still there, just 200 yards from where the Gestapo headquarters was. And they were betrayed, and uh, they, um, one of the sisters died in uh, Ravensbrück concentration camp. Um, and they showed that, in a remarkable way patience and the love of Christ in extreme conditions of suffering and, and, and of wickedness and the love of Christ shone out from these two sisters and all that they could really hold on to in, 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 a, in, in an environment like that where the promises of Christ the Lord will come we will be with him one day the gospel is the most powerful thing in the world that even changes hatred in people's hearts and so for us patience and difficulties our hope that reaches beyond that to the the sure promise of our lord jesus that he will return again be patient then brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming. You know, it talks about Job in this passage. talks about Elijah in this passage. And their patience in prayer. It brings us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture always does that. and And, and we are told that our... Our hearts might be directed into the patient endurance of Christ. Think of that quality that Christ Himself exhibited, described in Hebrews 12, where it says that, you know, for the joy that was set before Him, He endured. He endured the cross, despising its shame, and is set down now at the right hand of the Majesty and High. Consider him, lest you grow weary and faint in your minds. And so we see the great example of Christ and the prophets and the people of God, and we turn it to ourselves, and we're learning again that as God is patient, we need to grow in our knowledge of God so that that affects us, and we learn particularly in view of the Lord's coming again, to be patient until he appears. Shall we pray? Lord, we recognize how impatient we can be with others in particular, and we ask your forgiveness with that. And we know how we often feel discouraged as we look around And uh, Lord, we, we pray that grace will be given to us to be patient in our difficulties until the Lord comes and when everything is sorted out. Lord, we look to you and we see your long suffering to us and how that has brought us to repentance and your great patience and how grateful we are for that. And the many mistakes and the inconsistencies and the poor progress, the slow progress that we make in our lives. And Lord, you're so patient with us, and and we come and we give our thanks tonight and pray that we might properly be your representatives. We ask your word will touch all our hearts and sustain and build us up and give us hope as we ask in Christ's name. Amen.